My lords, my ladies, and all good gentles beyond the binary, tis I, your loving host, boon companion, badass in a bicocket hat, and a haircut that would make your mom jealous. Lord Gideon Op Stephen here with you on the Known World Bardcast. If you hear that live sound quality recording production value, you know where we are. We are sweating. It is humid. Bits of me are sweating that I did not know could sweat. We are here at the Pensac War, Slippery Rock, Pennsylvania, in the bog. If you've not been to the bog, you have not lived. If you've not been to Pensac, you have not lived. Maybe you've lived, but not well. Okay, I promised you guys. And first of all, I want to take a second to thank all my patrons on Patreon. Without you, I could not be here. Okay, and special shout out to uh, the encampment of Strawberry Fields up in the B Blocks, specifically to the Known World Courtesans and my courtesan companion, uh, Lady Heloise. Without these folks, I would not be here, nor would I be able to come here and record all my friends because we are in the Camp Mermaid song. And lo and behold, there is a massive amount of beauty and awesomeness in one place. Uh, I didn't think it was legal, but apparently it is to have this much awesome in one place. We're going to be joined by some of our favorite bards from the East here in short order. But much like we did last year, when I was wandering in the wild of Facebook and trying to find out who to record here at Penzik, and I met this bard named Bird the Bard, who I had just heard playing the horn on a song called Teary Rise. And people had told me, this is a special person. You need to go find them and record them. I didn't have to do that because they found me in the food court, messaging me on Facebook from like 10 feet away. So this year, I am proud to call them my sibling, my bard from another yard, Bird the Bard. How the hell are you? Oh, I'm awesome. I'm so happy to be here. I'm so happy to see you again, family. Yeah, word. Oh, it's been a crazy year. I'm in school, and I still have time to write, write music and be here with all of my family here. All right. So what do you have for us? Now, this song, I believe you sent me for Powerful Women, and you recorded it apparently in the ocean. Yes, like, literally, the ocean. there were waves. Uh, I think there were pirates having a cookout. There was something going on. <laughs> and, uh, we, and we couldn't use it because literally the waves were so awesome. Um, actually, I think it was uh, my father, Poseidon, you know, patron god of Atlantia, telling me, no, 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 you can't have this recording sent to you. You have to go do it yourself. And I always do what daddy says. That came out wrong. Okay, so uh, Bird the Bard, what do you have for us today? And tell us a little bit about it. I have the song called The Archer Upon the High Seas, which um, was originally a tale pulled from a game that of, of, a, of a magical story of a very, very good archer and why it's very important to have archers around. Shout out to the Bikeli Archery Force. I'll tell you a tale and I'll sing you a song So let your shot fly high and free A tale of a merchant ship sailing along And how that whole trip did go horribly wrong With the archer upon the high seas That hydra was manned by good Captain Piku So let your shot fly high and free A good eastern ship with a good eastern crew and a damn it good archer was on that ship too. Twas the archer upon the high seas. Oh, arc it up, bowmen, and let the winds blow men, and let your shot fly high and free. And wouldn't you know, men, she's not just a showman, the archer upon the high seas. 
Now off on the water a ship did appear. So let your shot fly high and free. A great band of pirates with gold in their ear did chase the poor Hydra and fill her with fear with the archer upon the high seas. That archer she called all the men to the bow. So let your shot fly high and free. She said we can all make it through this somehow if we all work together and we all work now with the archer upon the high seas. Oh, arc it up, bowmen, and let the winds blow, men, and let your shot fly high and free. And wouldn't you know, men, she's not just a showman, the archer upon the high seas. And so the small hydra did turn now to fight, so let your shot fly high and free. And with a great crash, the ship showed them their might. And then they were hit with an even worse fright with the archer upon the high seas. For down in the depths of the water did dwell. So let your shot fly high and free. A monster of legend who lived down in hell, a kraken and its demon partner as well for the archer upon the high seas. So Hydra and pirates both turned on the fish. So let your shot fly high and free. The crew thanked the gods for receiving their wish as arrows hit true with a sickening squish from the archer upon the high seas. The kraken drew angry as arrow wounds bled. So let your shot fly high and free. They grabbed both the boats with a great spray of red and the crewmen they prayed cause they knew they'd be dead with the archer upon the high seas. Oh, arc it up bowmen and let the winds blow men and let your shot fly high and free. And wouldn't she a gnomen, she's not just a showman, the archer upon the high seas. That bowman quick thinking she knew what to do. So let your shot fly high and free. She handed her bow to a man in the crew and grabbed a ballista and named it so true. Twas an archer upon the high seas. That bolt flew so powerful into the sky. So let your shot fly high and free. True, she did aim it, and true did it fly, and the bolt hit that monster in its beady eye from the archer upon the high seas. The shot felled the kraken with a great mighty roar, so let your shot fly high and free. And off ran his mate who was feeling quite sore, and the hydra sailed off to a much calmer shore with the archer upon the high seas. A moral there is in the story I tell. So let your shot fly high and free. Bring archers along on the great ocean swell. So when monsters come, bowmen can take them the hell. Was an archer upon the high seas. Oh, work it up, bowmen, and let the winds blow, men. And let your shot fly high and free. And wouldn't she a gnomon? She's not just a showman, the archer upon the high seas. Huzzah, huzzah. Bird the Bard here with you live from Penzik 2. We still out here and we're sweating. Live on the Known World Bardcast. Uh, 
Again, thank you guys for getting me here. Penzik is, this is just my second Penzik, 25 years in and out of the SCA. This is the first, second time I've made it to Penzik. And now we are going to slide over to the other end of the spectrum uh, here in the Mermaids, in the Mermaid Song. Lady Solveig, tell us your full name, please. <laughs> Lady Solveig, Bjarne daughter, though I've been told that my name should be nothing but X's, Q's, and Z's. Well, you know, being Welsh, our entire language is 14 consonants. That's it. Just in a row. And now I'm going to get angry, angry Facebook messages from people who, who are also have Welsh personas. <laughs> Calm down, fam. Calm down. So, Lady Sully, what do you have for us today? Uh, today I have a piece uh, written right at the beginning of the 1600s called De Pert, De Pert, uh, composed by Alexander Scott. Mm. So you're showing off, you tell me. I, a little bit. I mean, I, it's in Middle English, so why not? A little middle English here for you. Lady Salvig, Yarnish daughter. I'm just going to make up how to pronounce your last name. Here on the Known World Broadcast, live from Penzik. Take it away. Deep it, deep it. Alas, I must depart from her that has my heart with heart full sore. I can't my will indeed, and can find no remed. I with the pains of deed can do no more. Ah, do sweet thing, my joy and comforting, my mirth and solacing of earthly glory. Farewell, my lady priest, and my remembrance reached. Farewell, and have good nicht. I say no more. Can you all breathe? I can't breathe. That was stunning. That was stunning. Ladies, all high five up top. Yes, oh my God, that was beautiful. My lords, my ladies, uh, we've got more to come here in the Mermaid Song Camp. And I want you to stick around because you're not going to believe what I'm going to have for you this episode. And I say that knowing, literally, I don't know what I'm going to have for you on this episode. But I promise you, you won't believe in it, much like a pagan and Jesus. So hang tight. we got more coming from the Known World Broadcast. So I was working a shift at Newcomers Point. If you're following my Facebook Live videos uh, in the Facebook group, if you haven't gotten to the Facebook group, send a membership request to me. Uh, even though I'm at Penzik, uh, I will use my sweaty, sweaty hands to uh, press that button and bring you in. And in there, you can find out all the details when we take submissions, what our upcoming themes are, and there are going to be some special Facebook Live bonuses. And if I can lure anyone to where I have an AC outlet, I can actually do a Facebook Live performance with someone, that would be fire! Um... Yeah, we are having a great time at Penzik. Now, I was working this newcomer shift. Wrap it back around, Gideon. I was working this newcomer shift, and someone, uh, now, forgive me, they were working with Mistress Molly of Atlantia, who I know, and the other person. I'm so sorry, I forgot your name. You're not listening to this anyway. Okay, so, uh, but they said, hey, I just met a newcomer who plays this ukulele-ish thing, and they were lovely, and you should go find them and record them. So I stumble into Mermaid Song looking for my favorite bards and friends, uh, and they're like, hey, we've got this newbie, uh, and we are teaching her, and we are the, they are working with us. Is this someone's student? This is my student. Lady Solvig's stu uh, student, and we will, um, yeah, I'm excited. So I'm, I'm, all her success 
is going to reflect on you. Yeah. So uh, feel free to yell the F word and smack my recorder out of my hand. All on her. All on her. So please, um, please tell us your name and, um, and, uh, and tell us what you're going to do for us. I'm Lady Inya Ingen Malduin. It sounds like the singer and it's spelled like a sneeze. And I am uh, going to sing Red is the Rose. It's the first song that I sang in the, as a bard. All righty. Come over the hills, my handsome Irish lad. Come over the hills, take your darling. You choose the rose, and I will make the vow. And I swear you'll be my love forever. Red is the rose that in yonder garden grows, and fair is the lily of the But my love is fairer than any. Twas down by Killarney's green woods we did stray. The moon and the stars, they were shining. The moon shone its rays on his locks of raven hair. And he swore that he'd be my love forever. Red is the rose that in yonder garden grows, and fair is the lily of the But my love is fairer than any. Oh, tis not for the parting that my sister pays, and tis not for the grief of me. That my love is broken forever. Red is the rose that in yonder garden grows, and fair is the lily. But my 
Huzzah. Huzzah. You just did your teacher up proud. A big time proud. Oh, man. If this is how we're starting this edition, good Lord, I hope no one sucks. Uh, because you're going to suck extra hard after that. If we do suck, I'll make you sound like dynamite. I promise you that. And we'll mix up the order so you don't have to follow all that at once. All right, we'll be back with you soon with more right here, live from Penzik, Known World Broadcast. My lords, my ladies, and all good gentles beyond the binary, Lord Gideon Op Stephen, still here in Mermaid Song, kind of wrapping up our session for a little bit, and we'll catch up with these bards again, fear not. But I've got to go keep an appointment here in the next half hour. So, you heard from my loyal friends and family, Bird the Bard, Lady Solving, and um, your, your student's name again? Enya. Enya, Lady Enya, and... I have uh, put together a beautiful, a beautiful collaboration here, uh, a fair company, whither should they come, and um, in the middle of that, playing a harp, is the golden god of the washboard apps, and if you know who I'm talking about, that's Lord Jeffrey of Exeter, former Queen's Bard of the East, and uh, they've got something absolutely stunning for you, and I'm going to let uh, Jeffrey tell you all about that. So... This piece is, um, was an absolutely joyous chance to collaborate with someone else you've heard a lot of on the Bardcast, which is Mistress Annalita Falconbridge. I've never heard that name on my show before, <laughs> Mistress Annalita Falconbridge. Who's heard of her? <laughs> so, um, so last year, uh, when I was uh, in the position of Queen's Bard, I decided I really wanted to try to find ways to collaborate across the Bardic community, and particularly across the sort of spoken word Bards and the musician Bards. Um, so, Mr. Sanalita and I managed to do all of this remotely. So we, so she wrote these wonderful medieval English lyrics from where she lives, and then I have set them to music, um, building off my many, many years as a medieval musician. Um, so trying to use uh, as many of the sort of forms and melodic motifs and, and harmonic structures and so on that you might have in in medieval music of perhaps the 14th century or so. Um, so these medieval English words are, are, are really beautiful, all composed by Mistress Annalita, and they talk about the virtues of a queen and uh, calling ladies together while we talk about the virtues of a queen, um, you know, the singing and dancing and the health and joy, no sorrows light near thee when you have these virtues. So 
My lords, my ladies, all my good friends beyond the binary, we are finishing up here in the bog at Mermaid Song with one of our most beloved bardic siblings, Cedar the Barefoot, hanging out and has a brand new song. Is this brand new? Yeah. Brand, brand new? How brand new? Uh, it's been performed maybe three or four times. So we're going to pretend this is an exclusive first-time performance ever, uh, <laughs> or the fifth, the, 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 the fifth performance of this song. Tell us our name and then go ahead. My name is Cedar the Barefoot. I will be singing. I shouldn't tell you the title before okay, I sing it. Yeah, sing it. Uh, all right. 
Time and time again, I wander through the wood. I never really worried whether or not I really should. I tracked the trails of game with my bow strung at my side. It was on a morning hunt when I gained an unlikely ally. The leaves from the trees had fallen upon the ground. Carefully I went, determined to make no sound. It was on a passing breeze that I heard a mournful cry. I ran in that direction, though I'm not very sure I know why. I came upon a clearing, an arrow knocked on my bow. There before my eyes was a great formidable foe. A pregnant red mare was leaned upon a tree. She huffed, she brayed, she spat. She laid her large eyes upon me. She let out a painful shriek, the mare she could barely stand. Down I set my bow and extended a soothing hand. The mare she stomped the ground and shook me to my soul. Her breathing was distressed. It was time that she dropped her foal. She crumpled to the ground and heaved an angry sigh. I strengthened my resolve and I hurried to her side. I whispered in her ear and I gently stroked her mane. She watched me warily until her sweet son came. When first I saw the foal, I found myself afeard. He was an oddity, an eight-legged horse so queer. His fur was charcoal black, his eyes were milky white. The mare nuzzled him proudly. Enchanted was I by the sight. With a snort of great effort, she pushed herself to stand. She reared up and whinnied an echo across the land. She grew taller and taller and taller and taller and towered over me. No longer a mare, now the form of Loki. His long and wild hair shone red in the rising sun. I knew the scarred lips. I knew the silver tongue. I froze where I knelt. I could hardly believe my eyes. But the god sat down beside me, and he smiled to my surprise. It is strange to have a friend, the trickster said to me. I thank you for your care. I swear to let you be. For the rest of your days, I promise you need not fear to hear the name of Loki nor his eight-legged son slip near. The foal he shuffled closer, laying his head in Loki's lap. I watched the god of mischief, I waited for the trap. With a gentle twist of sather, the foal was bright and clean. There was love in Loki's eyes, a sight no one had ever seen. I kissed the foal goodbye and stroked his silken coat. He pranced after his mother, a whinny in his throat. The god, he smiled at him, and together they disappeared. T'was the last I saw of Loki, and his eight-legged son slipped near. Be alert and be fair when wandering in the wood. One day you might be standing where I once stood. Take away what you will from the strange tale of mine. But you never really know what is more than meets the eye. Hey family, this is Gideon. Just want to punch in here from the future, from what you're listening to here on the uh, Live from Penzik episode to make an announcement that came to me after the war. You've been listening to my friends in the bog, including my secret Bardic boyfriend, Lord Jeffrey of Exeter. And he reached out to me along with 
Mistress Annalita Falconbridge, who we just referenced, to announce that Mistress Annalita has officially taken Jeffrey of Exeter as her apprentice. If that's not Bardic superpowers aligning and planets falling exactly where they should to show us there's hope for tomorrow, I don't know what is. So congratulations to my two beloved friends. Love you so much, and may your journey of knowledge and learning be rich, bountiful, and smell vaguely of coconut oil. That being said, let's get back to the Penzik War. Maybe we'll head to North Shield this time. I am Lord Marcial de Salas from the Kingdom of North Shield. What pride, what joy, this land I own. With blood and sweat, these fields I've sown. With hope and prayer, these crops will grow. In this, the humble home I own. I see the old dead orange tree that grandfather mentioned to me. With all my gold, I've paid the fee to buy what was my family's. And I sit tonight and think of how my father's father took the plow. He raised the swine and milked the cow. He grew his wheat as rain allowed. His fields of gold brought him great pride, as did the cheese made by his bride. And by God's law, he would abide. His faith and work, the rest provide. His farmer neighbor called Larnas. He let his cows eat all his grass. And as they starved, he dared trespass. Without a care, he let them pass. And he tore the fences down at night and let his cows graze all in sight. And then he'd set the fences right before the break of early light. And bit by bit, the fields devoid of grass and grain the cows enjoyed. My father's father's wheat destroyed until he saw Larnas's ploy. My father's father cursed his name, demanded gold which never came. He begged the priest to aid his claim against Larnas who had no shame. But priest and plead would do no good, for falsehood worked as falsehood should. There where the wheat and oat once stood, my father's father's rage withstood. So he crossed the fence, unsheathed his sword, intent on ending this discord. Upon his knees, Larnas implored, gave up his land forevermore. And his righteous anger freely flowed, and so our family story goes. He salted land that naught might grow. My father's father's wrath was known. But now, the pious priest did cry, that vengeance hath no place in life. And castigation came with strife. They exiled him, his child and wife. My father's father, unashamed, with pride and honor, would proclaim what Larnas wrought, his loss and pain, was righteous anger earned and claimed. Seasons came, and seasons went. He breathed his last without repent. Back to the old land I was sent to find his home, my one intent. I searched for months and found at last the storied farm from ages past. Its fences there remain steadfast, though naught remained but sparse thin grass. What pride, what joy this land I own. With blood and sweat these fields I've sown. With hope and prayer these crops will grow. In this, the humble home I own. Oh no, it comes back suddenly. What whispered in my memory a detail that was told to me. It was Larnas who owned the tree. Oh, woe, what grief this land I own. In futile effort I must sow. My father's father's wrath bestowed. 
now falls upon my head, I know. My lords, my ladies, all good gentles beyond the binary. We are still in the Lunacy Bard Yard here at the Penzik War. Um, I hope you guys are having a great war if you're here with me. If you're not, I hope we can bring this to you and rub it in your face that you didn't get to go and maybe offer you some comfort. We are here with an old friend of the Bardcast who has been with us since Bardic Madness in the North Shield episode, and that is Lady Arwa Algenia. And uh, currently, I love getting to say this about our, our family, currently Bardic Champion of North Shield. Yeah. Congratulations <laughs> on that honor. How are you doing this war? Thank you. I'm good. I'm having a really relaxing war for once, which all is right. nice. Good, so, good, yeah, good. Just all Bardic all the time. It's nice. Great. I, wish, I wish I had that. So, yeah. <laughs> Obligations and duties, no more courtesans up in Strawberry Fields, been all over the place. But today is my day to get out and get some more recordings in. So you are without your guitar, which is a new thing for that us. It is true. All yes. right. So what are you going to be doing for us? I wrote a, a Kingdom Ra Ra song. Oh, Kingdom so, Ra Ra songs yes. are always good. Well, <laughs> most of the time. Right. <laughs> well, I hope this one stacks okay. up. Okay. All right. Here we go. All right. The heart of the griffin is ten thousand strong, an army of kinsmen, one voice raised in song. We cry long live North Shield wherever we roam, the heart of the griffin forever our home. The blood of the Northland burns bright in our veins, its fire keeps us warm on the coldest of plains. We raise high the banners of sable and gold, to welcome all into our kingdom's great hold. The heart of the griffin is ten thousand strong, an army of kinsmen, one voice raised in song. We cry long live North Shield wherever we roam, the heart of the griffin forever our home. Each deed laid with care in the floor of this hall, to build a foundation of service to all. From humble beginnings we spring and return, a heritage fit for our children to learn. The heart of the griffin is ten thousand strong, an army of kinsmen, one voice raised in song. We cry long live North Shield wherever we roam, the heart of the griffin forever our home. Thieves' four walls were raised with the traits we embrace. The first stands for honor, the second for grace. The third is for courage where we take our stand, the last to keep laughter and joy close at hand. The heart of the griffin is ten thousand strong, an army of kinsmen, one voice raised in song. We cry long live North Shield wherever we roam, the heart of the griffin forever our home. When thunder and lightning consume the night sky, the wind howls above and the waters rise high. A blanket of shields blossoms up from the clay, our crown of all colors keeps darkness at bay. The heart of the griffin is ten thousand strong, an army of kinsmen, one voice raised in song. We cry long live North Shield wherever we roam, the heart of the griffin forever our home. Our borders are not what define who we are, at home in our hearts though we travel afar. So raise high the banners of sable and gold, and be one of North Shield, the griffin, the bold. The heart of the griffin is ten thousand strong, an army of kinsmen, one voice raised in song. We cry long live North Shield wherever we roam, the heart of the griffin forever our home. We cry long live North Shield wherever we roam. 
the heart of the griffin, forever our home. Huzzah! That's a song worthy of a bardic champion right there. Uh, thank you so much, Arlo, for being with us. You're always a welcome guest. High five. Podcast high five. We'll keep the music coming with you, uh, coming at you, towards you, thrown at your head like a ripe melon uh, as I journey around. I have an appointment in Anstiora in a few minutes, so we'll be back, back with you right here on the known world broadcast live from Penzik 2, The Revenge. My lords, my ladies, and all my friends beyond the binary, Lord Gideon up Stephen, still here at Penzik, still sweating, still in a bardo. I didn't talk about the bardo here, this wonderful little wooden... Uh, like nomadic Romney wagon that is like absolutely fabulous. And that's why you're not hearing wind, cars, dragons, unicorn farts, or anything else uh, in the background except for these beautiful Norse shielders who I apparently just cracked up because I'm funny that way. I got jokes. Uh, and they're going to be sharing with us. So if you would please tell me title, name, whatever you want to give me to have on the show. Um, I am uh, Aya Vasadasar. I'm Kovaling and Citrico Wagaiver. And Flori de Jocelyn. Very, very good. What you, and what, what are we going to be having today? Uh, we're going to be doing a sickney song. Whenever you're ready, North Shield rides right here on the Known World Podcast. Right. <clears throat> there was a man named Vals, sometimes known as Valsung. He had ten sons and one daughter. His daughter has recently been married. When he and his sons went to visit her, her husband, King Sigir, attacked them. And while Vals fought bravely, he fell and his sons were captured. And Signy was forced to watch as her husband took each of them to the edge of the home field, tied them to stakes where they waited their turn, one per night, to be eaten by a giant she-wolf. This is the tenth night. Valkyries he'd hurry, hear the great man nearing, hear Vals help my father, hear a son's mouth fallen, ready how for royal, recognize price of battle. The first of mighty fighters, free to pain saints welcome. I hung my head, languished, husband, such foul command. Brothers, lots not lucky, lay before tis terror. For days the blood flooded, fed ravens on kinsmen. Sword of wolf ground certain, sons of all's gone ever. Fine brows clenched, furrowed feathers, I sent downward to dwarf stone sword smelter. Suffered in gruff widows, heads bright river bedding, build on your skilled shield wall. Niche of vengeance nettings, no more here falls roaring. Valkyries eat hurry, hear the nine needs creeping. Among us day is dimming, deeds on our bars hunter. I the say so, brother. 
brave and cunning, or taste the bite bitter, born by old torn woman, home by my blood hunger, him the limb twined partner, slayer of king kinsmen, caught in my bed promise, demands your sister's My lords, my ladies, all those beyond the binary. Lord Gideon, I'm Stephen here with you, traveling the known world here at the Pensac War, part two, The Revenge. Uh, actually, we'll call this one part two, A Knight Without Armor. If you get that joke, PM me. I will uh, give you a high five. That's from the 90s, children, the 90s. Uh, we are here in Anciora. We received a loan call from a bard from the Lone Star Kingdom, and I'm going to let him tell you his name and what he's going to be doing for us. I'm Thomas de Grot. I'm doing a piece called The Baron by the great Anstioran bard Robin of Gilwell. The Baron was a fighting man. He knew the ways of war, the blood and death and carnage he'd seen many times before. He knew how many men must die for battles to be won. So coldly counting up the cost, he did what must be done. He led his army off to war, but never did a trace of feeling or emotion ever show upon his face. The Baron was at table when the awful summons came. There were raiders on the border putting villages to flame. The maidens they were ravishing, the men they did enslave, save those who had resisted, who had found an early grave. Expressionless, the Baron stood and then addressed his hall, saying, Let there be a summons for my knights and levies all. Put off your pleasant pastimes and prepare your armor bright. Fetch your swords and shields, for the time has come to fight. The knights and sergeants left their pels, the yeomen left their fields, the smithies left off plowshares to make mail rings and shields. The host was soon assembled and was quickly put to order, in a line behind their baron and went riding to the border. At every farm they came to, and at every hamlet too, they called for men to join them, and their numbers ever grew. For the baron was a fighting man. He knew the ways of war, the blood and death and carnage he'd seen many times before. He knew how many men must die for battles to be won, so coldly counting up the cost, he did what must be done. He led his army off to war, but never did a trace of feeling or emotion ever show upon his face. As they approached the border, they spied a squalid hut, a rat-infested hovel with a door that wouldn't shut. It looked deserted, but in back a boy was pitching hay. Ho, oh, lad, go fetch your father, we have need of him today. From the hut came cackled laughter in a voice no longer young, from a saucy peasant woman with a saucy peasant's tongue. You cannot take his father, Lord, you did that once before. Twelve years ago you took my husband off with you to war. That day you killed my husband, said the old and bitter crone. Since then, nor man nor weapon has this wretched hovel known. The baron said, Twelve years it was? That's old enough, I'd say. Come, lad, and bring your pitchfork, may it serve you well today. No, Lord, you cannot take him, for my son is just a boy. Spare him, for he's all I have of comfort or of joy. What use is he in battle, overwhelmed and quickly dead? He hasn't got a weapon, just a farming tool instead. Old woman, step aside, for we must quickly be away. It's your protection, too, that we must battle for today. The peasant woman cursed and screeched and cried and cursed again, but no peasant wins an argument with scores of armored men. So when the baron rode away, one member of his band was a lonely, frightened child with a pitchfork in his hand. The baron was a fighting man. He knew the ways of war, the blood and death and carnage he'd seen many times before. He knew how many men must die for battles to be won, 
So, coldly counting up the cost, he did what must be done. He led his army off to war, but never did a trace of feeling or emotion ever show upon his face. All day the woman sat alone, at times she tried to pray, but cursed instead the evil fate that took her son away. She, all day she waited for the news she knew would come that night. She knew that peasant boys will die when noble men must fight. So when the night was falling and the host again drew near, the sight of it brought no relief, but only dread and fear. She knew the knights would ride on by, the battle being done, but some peasant in the rear might stop to tell her of her son. So when the mounted fighters stopped, it left her feeling weak. The baron himself upon his charger trotted up to speak. Your son fought very bravely, though he had nor skill nor strength. He tried to fight the battle with a pitchfork till at length. A spearman galloped forward, taking aim at my own breast. Your son jumped up and grabbed his spear and caught it in the chest. The blow he took was meant for me. He bravely met his death, defending me in battle grim and with his dying breath. Said, someone tell my mother of this deed that I have done. So I have come to pay the debt I owe your worthy son. The widow sobbed, as if it matters how the boy was killed. Her screeches grew more piercing and her curses grew more shrill. The baron said, be silent, stop your squeaking like a mouse. Console yourself, your son has brought great honor to your house. Brought honor to a hovel made of sticks and caked with mud? I have no use for honor that was bought with my son's blood. If I've been so well protected, why is everything I cherished lost to me forever? Now both man and boy are perished. No comfort did he offer, for of comfort there is none, for a lonely aged widow who has lost her only son. The baron uttered not a word and slowly turned to go. No trace of joy or sorrow did his granite features show. Yes, he had won his battle, although many lives were lost. His lands were once again secure, no mind the grisly cost. For the baron was a fighting man. He knew the ways of war, the blood and death and carnage he'd seen many times before. He knew how many men must die for battles to be won. So coldly counting up the cost, he did what must be done. He led his army off to war, but never did a trace of feeling or emotion ever show upon his face. The yeoman serfs and peasants went back home to tend their beasts, while all the knights and nobles held a celebration feast. The baron then rewarded all his vassals, as was right. He gave out many treasures, and one man was made a knight. His duty done, the baron left his feast hall and his throne, and to his castle armory the baron came alone. He picked his, once more he found his armor and he laid it out to sea. He picked his steel breastplate up and held it on his knee. Five dents he counted on it, for five spears had struck him hard. Sixth, of course, had left no mark. That boy had been his guard. A boy who nothing knew of war, of weapons, or of plate. So boldly, bravely, uselessly he went to meet his fate. The Baron was a fighting man. He knew the ways of war the blood and death and carnage he'd seen many times before. He knew how many men must die for battles to be won. So coldly counting up the cost, he did what must be done. He led his army off to war, but never did a trace of feeling or emotion ever show upon his face. No more he moved throughout the night while all his vassals slept, and with his breastplate on his knee, the baron sat and wept.
The throne is mine, my living brothers are all bastards. The throne is mine, the noble swore to it twice. If Stephen the Oathbreaker thinks he's safe, he's not. For the throne is mine, the throne is mine. At eight years old, a queen, I made Germany my home. With 20,000 silver marks to help Heinrich subdue Rome. The Pope made him emperor with unwilling hands. In four years we were wed. In 15, Heinrich was dead. My brother William, five years earlier, King Henry's chosen heir, had drowned crossing the channel, too much wine, the culprit there. I went home a widow, father's new wife, born no sons, and all the nobles fought to be the first to swear I was the one. The throne is mine, my living brothers are all bastards. The throne is mine, the noble swore to it twice. If Stephen the Oathbreaker thinks he's safe, he's not. For the throne is mine, the throne is mine. To strengthen our border to the south of Normandy, I must wed the heir to Anjou, my royal father had decreed. A 15-year-old peacock was never my choice. I'm a woman who has ruled, yet I seem to have no voice. After years of estrangement and father's maneuvering, the noble swore again support for my right to succeed the king. I rejoined my husband and bore two healthy sons, but father still refused to give my husband castles he had won. The throne is mine, my living brothers are all bastards. The throne is mine, the noble swore to it twice. If Stephen the Oathbreaker thinks he's safe, he's not. For the throne is mine, the throne is mine. I was far away in Anjou when I heard the king was dead. My cousin Stephen seized the treasury, put the crown upon his head. I took the castles, denied us, but had to stop to bear a son. By the time I had recovered... Stephen's treachery was done. I got a foothold in my country. My brother Robert joined my quest. After five years of battle, the pretender we did best. The Lady of England was the title given me. As Stephen rotted in his chains, I proclaimed my sovereignty. The throne is mine, my living brothers are all bastards. The throne is mine, the noble swore to it twice. If Stephen the Oathbreaker thinks he's safe, he's not. For the throne is mine, the throne is mine. In two years' time, my mother, the great Matilda, was betrayed. She fled to safety with her knights, and Stephen once more king was made. But she never gave up, and she fought anew for me. And she raised me up a warrior to defeat our enemy. We claimed Normandy as ours and closed in on Stephen's men. Stephen feared our might, so a treaty we did pen. He remained king until death, as we allowed. Then after nineteen years of bloodshed... King of England, I was crowned. The throne is mine, my mother fought for our birthright. The throne is mine, that's why I shall be known as Henry Fitz, Empress, son of the great Matilda. The throne is mine, the throne is mine, the throne is mine, the throne is mine.
My lords, my ladies, all good gentles beyond the binary. Tis I, your loving host, boon companion, sweaty and burnt out at the end of the war. Dear God, I'm going to take a hostage if I can't take a shower that doesn't make my hair turn into crusted mineral dust soon. Uh, we are here roaming uh, the Serengeti late night, and I have stumbled into, into Camp Hedgehog uh, to find my beloved bard sister, Harper Anku, Lady Harper Anku, the Honorable Lady Harper Anku, um, who is... Uh, who is going to honor us with a song that I am super excited about. Um, our brother, Alaren, now Sir Alaren, was elevated, knighted uh, at this war. And if you're wondering who that is, you've heard me talk about my bard sister, Linnea. That's her other half. And now they are the Atlantean power couple. The world will cower before them. Uh, so at Alaren's vigil, uh, I'm going to let Harper tell you about this song because this song was written for that occasion. Yep, this is an original composition that I wrote for Laren. I sang it uh, to him in his vigil tent. Unfortunately, I didn't get to perform it for the world at large at the Bardic, but I suppose that that's what this is going to address. So this is basically summarizing how um, the, the attributes that we associate with knighthood, he certainly already had naturally. Um, and, and this was really just a, a bestowing of title instead of a making of a knight. <clears throat> Come and attend a man made of honor, heart pure as snow, his will a sharpened sword. Finally sitting to contemplate knighthood, his skill and his virtue cannot be ignored. Black is the family of crows you belong to, red are their hearts that beat like drums of war. Red is the blood that is spilled by and from you. Black are the wings that lift you up to soar. Strength acts as fuel for your goals and ambitions. Calling to action, friend and foe alike. Sharp and biting, driving swiftly, spurs show us all the power in your strike. Black is the family of crows you belong to. Red are their hearts that beat like drums of war. Red is the blood that is spilled by and from you. Black are the wings that lift you up to soar. Heart made of gold bound always to honor. Fealty first to what is just and right. Though never easy, you stand tall, unwavering, a chain leaves no doubt for what it is you fight. Black is the family of crows you belong to, red are their hearts that beat like drums of war. Red is the blood that is spilled by and from you, black are the wings that lift you up to soar. Bright-tempered steel and dignified patience Builds up a man of chivalric might A font of respect for all you encounter And you a belt woven from love and light Black is the family of crows you belong to Red are their hearts that beat like drums of war Red is the blood that is spilled by and from you. Black are the wings that lift you up to soar. And white is the belt you've earned in glorious gore. Huzzah! Well sung, Bard Sister. Thank you for honoring us with that. That is a world premiere 
here on the Known World Broadcast. What is the title of that one? Uh, so far, the title is Song for Alaren until I think of something clever. Fair enough. Song for Alaren here on the Known World Broadcast. Late night in Camp Hedgehog, looking at a massive fire, sitting under about a three-quarter moon. Skies clear, and it's a gorgeous night for wandering here on the last night of the war. Pretty much everybody, most everybody, will be packing up tomorrow and heading out. I want to take a second while I'm doing this to thank my patrons on Patreon. Without you, this trip was not possible. Without you, this mobile recorder in my hand would not exist. Well, it would actually exist, but it wouldn't be mine. And therefore, I wouldn't be speaking into it and recording this show. I am rambling because, as I told you earlier, I am completely fried. The spoon drawer is nigh to be empty. So thank you for listening, and uh, yeah, we'll be right back, right here on the Known World Bardcast. Hey, family. Guess who it is? Lord Gideon up, Stephen. Who else would it be? We are actually hiding inside Newcomer's Point here at Penzik, and I thought I was done, the e- done with the East, but Sir Gui apparently said, wait, there's more. And I was tracked down while recording in Anstiora by this fantastic bard with an incredibly interesting instrument that I do not know the name of, so I will, I will let her tell you about it. And if you could tell us your name and, and what we're looking at here. Oh, hello, known world. Um, I am uh, Mestrina Margreta La Fauvel. Uh, I am currently the uh, East Kingdom's uh, royal bot for His Majesty. And I am here at Penzik to play music and when that fails, to play more music. Uh, the um, uh, song that we w- you will hear from me today is a Truen. Uh, it is the song type that we know that William Marshall had sung at his deathbed by his daughters because he demanded song in his final moments. I find it extremely touching. Um, the instrument that I will be accompanying myself, it's called a siddle. It is the predecessor of many, many modern plucked uh, string instruments. And it was all the rage during the 13th century and up to the early 15th, I would say. So this is called P. Andre Nomedonans, and it is by uh, Zero Ricard. We saw on a trail of Nedonans, Kerevitan, Tessaya, Minul Mark, the Serna Hyplus, Mia Bonder, Kimastraya. That was associated with the greatest tournament, yes? That is very correct. Sergei, as a matter of fact, wanted the exact song that uh, he had his daughter sung to him at his deathbed. We know from his best friend, uh, who wrote his Vita, uh, Jean Darly, that he wanted singing, and one of his daughters sang the Rotruen. The Rotruen is a song form that uh, we have other examples from, so I did a little bit digging and I found three from a composer that lived a few decades later than the Marshall. But the song form meant the same. And for what for that reason we decided to play one of those. It is the closest that we could get to the actual thing. When you do the research, when you do the digging, that is when Bardic 
goes to the next level. We all have fun singing around the fire, and we all have our Skadian-focused songs, but when we reach into history and we recreate those things, um, you heard earlier with Jeffrey of Exeter doing some of his reconstructed Middle English. Uh, we're hearing this now. Um, it's, it's a fantastic time to be in the society and to work with bards who are doing bard, bardic work as an art and a science. And, uh, yeah. And I would like to add here that there's just so much research and so much product and so much primary source that it is available online for free. So go forth and find out more. There is a wonderful, magical world of compositions we knew very little a few years prior that are now available to us. And now we can play and sing them and share them with the known world. Well, thank you for being with us. Uh, would you like to play us out with something? Absolutely. All right. So let's wrap up this segment because the East was not done. The East, in fact, did rise again. Deal with that, Meridiase, because I know your name means the South. Let's take this out here. All right. And now for something completely different. This is Sansonetta Tedesca, which is Italian for a German song. So that's going to do it for us live from Penzik to the Revenge. I'm Lord Giddy Knob Stephen, and I want to take a second to thank everyone who contributed to this year's episode. I want to thank you, my listeners, for being patient with me getting this out. I know I had live from Penzik out like a week after the war last year, but this has been a particularly challenging fall for me and uh, wouldn't make it through it without you, you all and your support. Your support on Patreon helped get me to and from the Penzik War and make all of that possible. Uh, you're helping me bring joy and music and all this stuff uh, to and from the war to folks who can't make it. Because Penzik isn't easy. Let's not lie to ourselves. Penzik is not easy, especially if you've never done it before. Your first Penzik is always a challenging Penzik on some level or another. If you are not a Patreon supporter, let me tell you what you're missing out on right now. We did a stealth drop, and if you uh, follow us on Facebook or in the No World Broadcast group, we dropped an entire concert from the Bards of Atlantia, the not-your-typical Atlantean thug concert, over an hour and a half of Bards in a live performance beautifully recorded at the Pensick Performing Arts Pavilion. Right now, that's a Patreon exclusive. It might become public. I'm not sure. I actually set a goal. If I can get five or more new supporters uh, by, let's say, October 13th, 2019, maybe I'll release that one to the public. But right now, you're missing it. By pledging a dollar, as little as a dollar a month or a dollar an episode to whatever amount you're comfortable with. You can get access to cool extras like that, and uh, and you help keep this show on the air and help getting us to events like Penzik, like Gulf Wars, uh, like War of the Wings even here in Atlantia, where I plan on recording in the next couple of weeks. So thank you so much. I couldn't do it without you. And this is your every so often reminder that the No World Broadcast is an independent production of Deep Nerd Media. It's not directly affiliated with the Society for Creative Anachronism and therefore does not fall under anybody's power or opinion other than our own. But hey... We up at Mere Bards. What do we know? See you next time, right here on the Known 
World Bardcast.